0: do it for the culture do it for the culture do it for the culture i gotta grind. i gotta shine it's for the culture hey but i'm not. i gotta shine uh. on my mind. started as a seed that grew inside of mama learned our victories and everything that we conquer the creativity to switch the gears like karma now wear our history like it's a badge on us. to the music to teach from students we made this we do. This our greatness is proven. And we gon' level up more until our excellence is evident.
1: Listen up, ladies gentlemen, everyone with some melanin, culture. Do it for the culture. Do it for the culture. Do it for
0: the culture. For the culture. I gotta got it. I gotta show it. It's my time. It's my time. I gotta show it to 'em. What's going on, brothers and sisters? This is your only, your one and only girl, Tay Jordan. You can find me on Instagram at one underscore Tay Jordan. Jordan, like Mike. This is episode eight of For the Culture podcast. Speaking of the culture, man, I just, I'm having two lucky days, man. Double the blessings. Yesterday, I had earned your leisure, and today, I'm blessed by none other than David Bilar, one fourth of Black Renaissance. Man, welcome to the show, brother. Welcome, welcome, I mean, welcome! Thank you. I'm, I'm back because I'm used to being on the other side of this. <laughs> Thank you so much for inviting me on. Say
1: I, I really appreciate it.
0: For sure, man. I definitely had to get you on, man. I've just been like, a, a, I've been a um a big su- a big supporter of the movement. Um, Black Wealth Renaissance just means so much to me. People want to Facetime you at the at the most unopportune time. What she call? Right back. (laughs) (laughs) All this time I wasn't on air. Now she want to call. But um, yeah, shout out to my best friend Aaliyah. Just call me at the most unopportune times. But um, anyway, um, yeah. So Black Wrath Renaissance, man. I've just been a a fan of the movement for some time, or a supporter of the movement, I should say. Um, So. I know you are uh, one-fourth of and everything. Take, take, take me, uh, tell me about your background, though. Where you from? You know, what, what made you guys start the podcast? Just give me some background.
1: For sure, for sure. But well, first, I appreciate you for being a supporter of BWR. So BWR, uh, it started with me and my two of my college roommates and my best friend from childhood. Uh, it really just got started as kind of a passion project. I always was, like, into school and really big on education coming up. And I, I, I kind of had that same uh, path that everybody was told, you know, that go to school, get a good job, uh, get your degree, all that stuff like that. And, like, as I was going through the actual process of that, like, toward the end of our college career, me and my two roommates, two of the partners, Jared and Kelly, like, we really started, like, kind of taking inventory of what it is that we wanted to do and entrepreneurship and business really started like standing out to us. And I was a biology major. So like it had no correlation with anything I was being taught. So like, we kind of started dabbling here and there. We started like little side hustle things in 2016, you know, just trying to really get our feet wet in entrepreneurship. And it, it kind of just like fizzled out. We ended up graduating and uh, really just moving on. And like, as I was, Trying to really figure out what I wanted to do in my life after I got my degree, uh, my brother Jared, another fourth of the Black Old Renaissance, mm-hmm. he had stumbled across the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, and okay. he was like, yeah,
0: "We we had to cancel Robert Kiyosaki just now." Yeah, bro, we had to cancel. him to Had to cancel he, he had he to he now. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, but I will give Rob his credit. He he
1: definitely uh, That's real. He was inspir he was inspirational for us. It still hurt me to this day. That like nah, I right I that, that shit hurt. But, Same here. Jared gave me the book and then like it flipped that switch for me like oh okay all those things I was thinking about all those things that we were like kind of like dabbling with thinking that like man this is the way we should go Mm -hmm. like it flipped that switch and was like no you were right this is the way you should go this is what Mm -hmm. you should be doing and like as I started just diving into some of that content and really like finding more out about financial literacy I was like mind blown because Mm -hmm. it was like wow I'm learning all this stuff, like all this actionable information, stuff that I can actually use to change and better my life. And I'm just, like, I've just turned 23. I ain't learned none of this shit before this. Mm-hmm. I want to be someone who can help someone who was like me before mm-hmm. they make the same mistakes as me. Okay. So, like, me, with that, it started initially with Jared and I, and we just was like, man, we got to find a way to put this information out there. And back whenever we started our entrepreneurial hustles and whatnot, one thing we tried was uh, Instagram. We tried to do, like, the drop shipping, influencer mm. marketing type thing. So we kind of just went back to that. A lot of the skills that we were building up during that time, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, well, we know this and this and this. Let's just start an Instagram page and share this information with people because we know they need it. Mm. And that's that was really just the... Like, the the impetus for it, it all just started as, like, a passion project. And then everything else kind of just, like, was just trial and error and, like, us just trying to find different ways to continue to push the movement in ways we could. Yeah. Like, the, the podcast, that was just, like, a... We should, we might as well start a podcast. Like, we we always talked about a podcast. Why don't we might as okay. well start
0: one? So it was just, like, a natural extension to what you guys were already doing, basically. Right. Yeah, yeah, really. Okay.
1: Really more so because like even whenever we were in college, uh, Mm -hmm. Jared Kelly and I, we discussed having a podcast all the time because we would, a lot of the same things we talk about now, we would Mm -hmm. talk about then. Like we always were on those types of conversations like about uh, wealth building and like Mm
0: -hmm. the future of
1: our people and like ways we can change the black Mm -hmm. struggle. Mm -hmm. Uh, So like it it just was a further way to extend it. Okay. Like just giving us that avenue
0: got gotcha. you that's what's up man that's super dope i love to see it man especially like four young black men that's like on this wealth building talk uh one of my homegirls put me on she's like because i follow earn your leisure and she know i'm just really big into this content she was like you should follow these dudes on um instagram and she sent me to uh black wealth renaissance and i'm reading the content i'm like oh shit. and i'm reading more and more i'm like oh this i need to follow for real for real but um that's super dope so where are you from you from louisiana right
1: yeah, I'm from Louisiana. I'm uh, I'm from Lauter, Louisiana. Okay. Town. I'm from uh, the, the country country.
0: Oh shoot, I ain't hit. So is that how far is that from New Orleans? Because you know, when we hear Louisiana, we think Baton Rouge or or uh, New Orleans. We like two and a half
1: hours northwest of New Orleans. Uh, okay. So, yeah, we we a good little ways from there, but.
0: That's what's up. So when you say country country, is it like you've seen Queen Sugar?
1: Uh yeah, I seen Queen Sugar. Not not quite as bad as them. Okay. Milk, but, uh, I grew up across the street from a soybean field. We own cattle. Wow. Uh, I've always been one like, as a child, we had to work in the garden, in the fields, things wow. like that. Raised by just older country folks, you know, just that's a whole other perspective. Principles. Yeah, a lot of those same principles they uh they they grew up on, they really instilled in us. I really value it a lot. Like I really I'm thankful for it. As a child, I used to hate it. Okay. But like it it really instilled the importance of hard working because mm-hmm. like the value of hard work and how you can reap the benefits of it. Because out there in the country, like everything was just moving slow. Like it wasn't this instant gratification lifestyle that we was living now. Like it was just like, okay, you, you do this, you do it right, you wait the time and then you reap the benefits later. Mm-hmm. And like it's just I just value it so much. I think back on it all the time. Like, man.
0: Yeah, that's super dope. So, what's, so, what's, any siblings? How was your, how was your background? Was it two parent household? Like, what, what, I guess my, I'm trying to get to what, I know you, rich dad, poor dad, like sparked, sparked the vision, but was it something before that that you could point to? Like, was your parents into entrepreneurship or what was your um, background like that?
1: Okay, so I grew up two parent household, both my okay. parents, uh, happily married, been married my whole life. Dope, dope. Uh, black love? Really, with black love, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and with the entrepreneurship thing, of it, I guess, like, I grew up around it, but never, like, full-fledged entrepreneurship, let me say. So my dad and my uncles, his brothers, they all, uh, they all work nine to five, and mm-hmm. they all have a side hustle, like, doing something. Like, my dad, he's a mechanic. He's been a mechanic my whole life. Okay. Uh, and, like, just seeing that, I seen how much more money he could he would bring in like doing that versus working his nine to five the reason he kept the nine to five obviously you know the insurance benefits and all these right. other things but like in terms of influencing my entrepreneurial journey, I I guess I didn't really even think about it till after I fully dove into it uh, because like I, I'm full-time entrepreneurship now like I, I went full-time entrepreneur I quit my job in December respect uh, and like after I after that like I was like I guess I've been around it but I never seen anybody really you know take that deep dive into it mm-hmm. so me wanting to be that person to, to bring the change and see the differences I think that's what inspired me even more because it's like yeah. I seen all them like they have their own hustle they got their own like side businesses, side hustles but what what how much greater could it be if they had put their
0: full time and energy into it, that's that's real, that's real respect, man. Full time entrepreneurship. Cheers to that, man. That's that's Appreciate super it. dope.
1: That's, super that's dope. It, it's it's a it's a journey.
0: I'll say that much. It's oh yeah. Not, <laughs> Survival <laughs> it ain't the finish?
1: It ain't butterflies
0: and roses, oh hell no, hell no. But they say to whom much is you know you work hard. You you know it, it's it's a risk, but the rewards is so can be so great. You know what I'm saying. So definitely, cheers to freedom, man. Ado, Um. So, like, just talking about the movement for for the listeners that's not familiar with Black Wealth Renaissance, man. So, like, David, like I mentioned, it's four brothers. Well not, well, not blood brothers, but you know, four brothers, four mm-hmm. young men. Um, and they created Black Wealth Renaissance. Black Wealth Renaissance is basically a platform that's you know meant to educate the masses. Um, and you guys are all about normalizing black wealth. And I, when I saw that, I was like, this is something I can get behind. This is something that the culture needs. This is something because, you know, coming where we're from, like I'm from inner city Cleveland, you know, you from, um, you know, Louisiana. Um, I just feel as though all across America, you know what I'm saying? It's just Wealth has not really been normalized for Black people. You know what I'm saying? It's like you know we can get to the bag too. We can get. We don't have to just spin the bag. We could, you know, we could invest. We can, you know, we can own some stuff. You know what I'm saying? So I just thought that what you guys were doing was just so dope. And obviously, there's other people that think like me. Like you guys are sitting at what over 260,000 followers on Instagram, then, you know, for the podcast page, you guys got over 36,000 followers. So, just talk, so when did you guys start the page, because I want to talk about how rapidly you guys have grown. You guys, you started it, what, two years ago? Uh, Yeah, we're coming up on the two-year mark. We started
1: October of 2018, October 31st, 2018, to be exact. Wow. I remember the date. Uh, so, dang, I was hard. early,
0: because I feel like I've been with y'all since, like, 2018.
1: Hey, possibly, you know, yeah cuz you might have been in the first the first uh the first 2 or 3000 yeah You we were actually looking back at the the growth of it mm-hmm. uh not long ago it's funny mm-hmm. how it scaled cuz like our first month i don't think we had like 100 or 200 followers
0: mm-hmm. but
1: like we just con- stayed consistent with it like yeah. it was like one of those things you know we always talk about consistency all the time on the page and like just mm-hmm. in our messages and our podcasts it's mm-hmm. a true testament to it because, like, we could have quit. Yeah. After a month, we only had like a hundred people following us, but we just can stay consistent and stay like testing, like if it was some content that people like found helpful or like they was really receptive to, we try to do more of that. If it was something that didn't really get a reception, we did less of that, and we kind of mm-hmm. started tweaking it, and then we started start seeing real growth. Mm-hmm. I say sometime in December, closer to Christmas. Okay. I think we had we had like started skyrocketing. We had probably got close by close, somewhere around 5,000 followers by then. Okay. Then coming into the new year, that's when it went off crazy. Like yeah. I think we hit 10k a little in the January and then from that point
0: like it started
1: growing. Yeah, like now I think at this point
0: we're growing by uh 4 or 5,000 a week wow that's massive growth man respect that's super dope congrats on that man so for those out there that's interested in you know everybody talks about you know building a brand you know people want an audience so what would you say is the number one thing we know consistency and having quality content um how do you guys split it up is it i know it's for you guys so do y'all like assign? sign i was like okay monday to tuesday you go do this you go post at this hour or is it just like how do you guys do that
1: Really with the content, uh, with us, for me, honestly, mm-hmm. it's mostly half of us do it. Uh, Jalen and I, we handle most of the content work and then a lot of the other back-end things that we have going on, like our website and mm-hmm. like just partnerships and other things. We divvy that up between Kelly and Jared, okay. uh, like our product creation and all that. But oh. as, far, as far as growing a brand goes, I think the biggest thing that people miss out on all the time is just really staying within like try, creating a personality for your brand. Mm. I think too many people whenever they want to make a brand, they mm-hmm. they for one they lack the consistency in the branding like keeping the colors and the the logo and that mm-hmm. that stuff present in people's mind, but also really creating a personality for your brand. Because okay. your brand can't just be like oh, this is this is this like it has to make a statement you know what i'm saying like mm. whenever we came out and we was like our mission statement on our page our, our bio that should've been the same since we came out oh. our mission is to normalize black wealth like mm-hmm. and that's how we talk to people When mm-hmm. whenever we we dealing with people and we want to handle people like if someone disagrees with us uh with like for our brand right mm-hmm. we we all about positivity right black positivity and building with our fellow kings and queens Mm -hmm. so if if somebody says something that we disagree with or something it's part on brand for us is not to get mad at them and lash out at them and tell some crazy shit on brand for us is to respectfully disagree because it creates an environment that's more conducive to what we want to build that's
0: real yeah, because you guys are all about positivity, so it don't make no sense to sit up and argue somebody, and that's bringing in negativity, and that goes against the brand, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, you know, I don't agree, but we can we can agree to disagree, you know what I'm saying? So that's real. And for you guys to be so young and to, like, you know, embrace this entrepreneurship movement, and, like, I, I commend you guys for sure. You know, you got to get people their flowers while they're still here, so commend, in, commend in, respect for you guys. Um... So, yeah, so, you know, I want to talk about black money. You know what I'm saying? You okay. guys are all about normal- normalizing black wealth, so let's definitely have this conversation about black money, especially in, like, what's going on today, man? Like... If
1: it's necessary. Brush.
0: Is it? Jesus, man. It's 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 more than necessary. So, um, I know you guys talk about the, the wealth gap a lot, and for those that's not familiar, hopefully you stop being asleep and wake up, because we got work to do. Oh, so... Right. Too much the, work. <laughs> bruh. The, so uh, um, the, speaking of the disparities, the, the wealth gap, the numbers are pretty staggering. Um, records show that a white family's net worth uh, on average is 171000 and which is 10 times greater than that of a black family. A black family's net worth is somewhere around 17000 and some change um so just that disparity alone lets you know like sh- we got a lot of catching up to do granted they did kind of have like a long they head systemic- start
1: they systemically <laughs> denied us access to wealth.
0: oh absolutely you know it's reasoning I, it's reasonings because of that wealth gap it ain't just like we some lazy motherfuckers that's not the case at all this mm-hmm. it's definitely some systematic stuff going on there like you know we was you know, chattel for what, 250 years. Then after that, we went into Jim Crow. And after that, we got the The new Jim Crow shit. Basically, mass incarceration is that exactly. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, that's the new slavery. But what can we do to, we understand these numbers. How can we dismantle it? You know what I'm saying? What we Mm got to do, what work we got to do. So, in my head, the biggest work that
1: we can do is taking the time to really learn about finance because a lot of our people don't understand that like that's the first thing that's biting you in your ass like we were systemically denied access to wealth for all this time right we we just talked about like all these different barriers that they put in our way Mm -hmm. well one of the biggest barriers and like the way they did it is withholding that education from us
0: Mm. and now
1: like we in the information age we don't have an excuse no more. We can learn all that shit. Like yeah. it's at our fingertips. Yeah. So the first thing I think we need to do is like really get, get with the principles of building wealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, and when I say that, I mean like living below your means. Okay. paying Yourself first.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, understanding credit and how to use credit, not just like using it to spend stuff, understanding how to control your spending and really understanding, it. Like I, you really got to take the time out to understand yourself more, too. Okay. I think, like, whenever it comes to finance, we really don't like to, to get, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? We don't like to reflect a lot. Oh, we don't yeah. like to reflect on the way our spending habits, like, how they show on us and how they show how we react to things and how we deal with things. Because, like, we use money as a crutch, not mm. a tool. We, we use it, like, to make us feel better and to, to really, like, as this, this object to spend and not as this tool to start creating more opportunities and wealth for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the biggest things. And then the other thing when it comes to, like, really just building, like, like getting us to understand what we need to do with money mm-hmm. is that group economics piece. Like, we've really yeah. been preaching it heavy because like it's hard for us. It really mm-hmm. is. It's hard for our people to do it because we have like, because of all the challenges that we faced mm-hmm. in the years prior, a lot of our new entrepreneurs and business owners, I, like they, we, we have the common gripes against them. And like, they like, okay. They always like, you talk about support black owned business. What's the first thing somebody gonna say? They price is too high and they serve is mm-hmm. too bad. And yeah. it's like, okay. Like, damn, okay, yeah, they could do better at this. They could do better at that. But instead of tearing them down and not giving them another opportunity, I think we need to be really intentional about spending our dollar with each other Mm -hmm. and being honest with one another. Like, if I go to your business, like, if I go to a little black-owned restaurant, right, Mm -hmm. chances are I'll probably pay more than – I'm probably going to pay more for a plate of wings at a black-owned restaurant than I am at Buffalo Wild Wings. Right. they probably going to take a little longer. Mm-hmm. They, should, they 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 might not have as great of a system or their services like that. But I understand that whenever I'm spending that money with my people, what mm-hmm. it's doing for me, like what okay. it's doing for us. Because you was mentioning the numbers uh, with the wealth gap. Yeah. I, I keep forgetting who predicted it, but they say about 2053, uh, the, the average net worth of the black family is, is going to be predicted to be zero dollars. So it's like, how do we how do we combat against that? Right, right, well, right, the, right. The fact I always like to correlate with that is they said that the black dollar only stays in the community around six minutes around this time. Whenever uh, Tulsa, Black Wall Street, all this stuff was popping off, I yeah. think they said, like, don't quote me on this, but I think it was a year. Yeah. It was a year our dollars were able to stay in our community. That's a, a huge difference. For uh, sure. Whenever, whenever we was talking with Angel Rich about it, it was just like she was breaking it down to us like we during reconstruction yeah, our people had really made a lot of progress mm-hmm. and that's whenever they came through with the Jim Crow laws and the black codes and all that shit to stop it because whenever we were together yeah. spending our money in our community and building up they we were creating wealth right. and creating opportunities to control and change shit and they ain't like that obviously they still don't like that you see I'm what's going right. on these days
0: so that's you, you mentioned, um, cause you know, we all hear that criticism with black businesses. It's like, oh, well, I'm not gonna spend my dollar black and they, they don't know how to talk to me. Their customer service is bad. For the cynic and the people that's negative and pessimist like that, um, whether there's some truth to it sometimes, I hate when people make generalizations like blanket statements as if all black businesses go take, you know what I'm saying? Like it's bad customer service. You can get mm-hmm. bad customer service at a black establishment just like you can at Walmart. That's not gonna stop you from going to Walmart though. But for those that feel that way, why do you think, so we asking them to be more patient, but why do you think that is, that it is, is going to maybe take longer at the black business? The the customer service may not be up to, to quality all the time. Why do you think that is? Well, I think, I like, that part of it mm-hmm. is just the lack
1: of business education. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many people, like, I'm just getting a business education myself. like so. I don't we we trial and like,
0: error. We got to learn on the job.
1: Yeah, like it's not like we, we hold ourselves to such a high standard a mm-hmm. lot of the times, like a higher standard than we would other people. And yeah. I really believe a lot of that is just rooted in self-hate. Now, granted, I don't want us to, to like lower the bar obviously. Like we don't mm-hmm. want to accept shitty services. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like just our people not understanding, I really feel like that's the biggest thing. Like Mm-hmm. most of us don't even understand the difference between being self-employed and being a business owner. Mm. A lot of, a lot of our entrepreneurs and people like they be like, yeah, this is my business. And in all reality, you're self-employed. Like you, a business is a set of systems that can mm. operate with or without you. Right. Self-employment right. is whenever you stop working, the money stop coming in. That's about 90% of our entrepreneurs. And I feel like that's about 90% of the problem with mm. what, with like, why they have problems within? I think like because I've done the solopreneur shit. Mm-hmm. I've, we done. We doing BWR. We doing. I do BWM. Like, mm-hmm. whenever you put the whole load of a business on yourself,
0: yeah. mm-hmm.
1: and you just the one operating factor, that's another you job. Gonna have some shit fall through the cracks. Uh-huh. Like you going to have some shit fall through the cracks because it's like it's so much to account for. Mm-hmm. So. For like our business owners, at the same time, I don't want to let them like slide and think they it's time to be accountable, like mm-hmm. like not have accountability. Yeah, no, I, I got think you. think our business owners they really need to take the time out to learn about and
0: educate business.
1: themselves. That's right. Yeah. because deep. we don't, we don't, we just yeah. don't do it. Like we think that we can do the task and make the money, and that's a business, and that's not a business.
0: That's real. That's damn, That's 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 real. That's real. That you really put that into perspective. We do got to put more time and energy into you know. Yeah, all of us want to be owners, but it's like you know we need to educate ourselves on you know the systems and how to maintain a sustainable business. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's real. So um, you know we the hip hop culture we raised on like the whole you know YOLO blowing money fast. Yeah. I got to get to the bag. Um, how, it seems as though, like, you know, I, we call it Black Wealth Twitter, right? So it seems as though, like, the narrative and the mindset is changing a bit within a niche crowd. How can we change, how can we change the conversation? And I think platforms like, your, like Black Wealth Renaissance is, you EYL are some of the, the platforms that's leaders of the culture in terms of changing the narrative, especially to younger demographics and millennials altogether. So I think that's important. But how do we how do we bring everybody with us to where we're not just talking to ourselves you know what i'm saying like because you gotta like yeah yolo yeah you want to blow some money but it's like that ain't it you know what i'm saying like we gotta we gotta i think our people a lot of times we are very present day people we think of today and we like, shit, fuck you, not guaranteed tomorrow. But that may be true, but it's like, you got to save for a rainy day. If anything, these times, these present times show us that ain't nothing promised. The job ain't mm-hmm. secure. Like, you know, you got to have, a. You, y'all talk about reserves all the time. And I think that's important. How can we change that conversation to where everybody gets it? Well, honestly,
1: I, tell you, I always felt this way when it comes to this. There's no way we can change it to where everybody gets it. Mm-hmm. I feel like with our people, we have to show them so that they can see for themselves. Mm-hmm. So like, I'll give you an example with my personal life, right? Mm-hmm. Two years ago, we started this. All my friends mm-hmm. that i had in college and all them, they weren't trying to hear none of this shit. They mm-hmm. didn't want to hear nothing about investing. They didn't want to hear about saving. They was trying to go on that trip. They was trying to spend that money. Right. But as, as time has gone on and they see us sticking to these principles, mm-hmm. sharing this message, And like really getting it to other people and seeing other people's lives being positively affected. They start to actually see the benefits and the changes that can be like, they have to see it for themselves before they can go ahead and do it. Cause I could tell you about it all day. I could tell you, save your money, pay yourself first, uh, manage your credit card debt. uh, Make sure you got a savings account. You got a high interest savings account and like you can process all that and it'll sound good, but the biggest thing to me is getting them to take action. And action mm-hmm. don't happen unless they make that change on the inside on they mm-hmm. So they got to come to that realization to they se- for themselves. Because, mm-hmm. like, we started BWR so that we could avoid, have people avoid making the same pitfalls as us. Yeah. But I feel like to a degree, some of those pitfalls are necessary. Mm-hmm. Because those lessons is really what helps us, like, That's real. Like, really internalize this shit. Like, damn, no, this is really actually important. Mm -hmm. I was talking to one of my close friends uh, the other day. And he was talking about, like, while we was in college, how much money he spent on clothes and shoes and shit. And he was like, man, I wish I'd have never did that. But now that I've done that, I'll never do it again. Like, I feel like that's
0: what it is for most people. That's real talk. And you know what? I just had a post, and some people took offense to it. But I had made a post that... uh. You know, before you go, I was like, you know, before you go sign your life away for a 2004 Charger or Challenger, a 2014 Charger or Challenger with 22% APR for 84 months, like, you know, save your money, stack up a bit. That's the same car you can go get at one of these police auctions for 7,500 cash. Mm. And I was like... That just reminded me, though, because what you were saying, but sometimes you got to go through the pitfalls. The only reason I know that is because I was that person in undergrad, my refund check, instead of me being smart about it, I went to go finance, a Monte Carlo puts all all them sounds in my car, 24% APR, 74 months, like, so I've been there, and it's like, Man, if only we, we, a lot of our people, we are in despair because of the lack of knowledge. You know what I'm saying? It's like Mm -hmm. my 19-year-old self probably would have not made that decision if I understood APR, if I understood credit, if I understood, like, but, you know. Like what you was
1: actually getting yourself into. You know, you you mentioned that that 2014. uh-huh. With an eighty-four month period and a twenty-two percent H.O. My God! It's
0: a robbery, right? Hey, but the to...
1: cars is like the worst fucking robbery in the world. Yeah, but that's, that's, it, a,
0: that's like... that and financing and education too. Like, I mean, oh, oh my God, the student loans is like the mafia. <laughs> <Hell> yeah! <laughs> that interest rate is astronomical man but yeah so uh, getting back to us like blowing the bag though like obviously we aware of how much spending power our community has us as black people why do you think it'd be we so quick for the instant gratification we ch- we cherish the blowing the bag we cherish like as soon as we get it we want to that money be born in a hole in our pocket like you guys were just posting about you made a post um about the you know before you spend your stimulus check, this this is some some alternatives that you could do before you blow it. Why do you think we be so quick? Like we that money be spent before we even get it. Like, oh, I'm about to go get I'm about to go get this Gucci belt, I'm about to go get this, this Gucci, this Gucci purse. Like, why do you think we like that? Is it because you think I think my uh theories that I feel as though coming from nothing, we've been deprived of a lot to where. We can't wait to get it. Even when we can't afford it, when we got it, though, like, we have it, but not really have it. And then mm-hmm. we just like, oh, here, take my money. Yeah, give me that. I need that. I need things. And, and I, I
1: agree with you with that part. Like, I feel like a lot of it is rooted in that. I look at it as the lessons were never just, were just weren't really there for most of us. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we we always were taught, like, I even look at my family, like, the way we look at money as, as this this means to an end to get some shit. Like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna use my money to get this, and I'm gonna use my money to get that. And I really think I'm, I'm big on the the uh, the idea of self love versus self hate. Yeah. I think we are, as as a people, we have been ingrained with the idea that we are lesser, mm. so that we we start to seek validation for mm. like ourselves outside of ourselves. That's why. So many of like our young people, they, they value shit like designer clothes and the fancy cars and all that shit because they find and they value in that and not in themselves mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they really lack that true knowledge of self and knowledge of our people. Mm-hmm. We were taught since we got here that our people were slaves. That's all mm-hmm. they taught us. That, that, literally in 18, 20 years of school, all they taught me was that my people were slaves and that Martin Luther King was a nice man. That, mm-hmm. that was about it. Damn. They didn't even really tell me what the fuck he was actually talking
0: about. He just—we knew he had a dream.
1: <laughs> He's a nice man with a dream, y'all. That, right. That's it. Like, that's I don't it. think we, we, we really, uh, we take that time out to really find the value in what it is to be black because we are, we're dehumanized by society. I'm so glad that like this current time, right now, like everything that's going on, I really hope that people can stay strong in this and stay, stay attentive to this because like, this shit is layered deep. Mm-hmm. This shit is like I feel like the same things that like systemic racism as a whole are the same things that influence police brutality are the same reasons that we, we do dumb shit with our money
0: mm-hmm. and
1: we, we do all these things that like we probably would we know aren't beneficial to us
0: mm-hmm. but we
1: do it anyway.
0: Yeah, that's real. We got to be more conscious of oneself and, you know, more conscious of like, you know, our history, because it did start out as slavery, you know what I'm saying? So I think that's important to go back and learn. And I think it's important to be intentional of being, getting conscious, you know what I'm saying? Realize like, (laughs) damn, you know, I don't know it all. But you know, I don't want to stay in the, in this state, the state of ignorance. Like, like you mentioned before, like we in this information age, so it's getting to the point where it's like, or it's gotten to the point, there is no excuse. Like at this point, if you remain ignorant, it's not because you don't have access to the information. It's just because you're like, choosing to Exactly. So I think that's important to realize like, you got, yeah, you know, it's much easier to, you know, remain in the state of ignorance. Like it takes work to, you know, get knowledgeable on things that you're not knowledgeable, but it's like, damn it, put in the work. What else we got to do? You know what I'm saying? Like we starting from nothing. If you want to change your conditions, you got to put in the work and you got to learn something. Like, you know, if it's like, if I'm not, if I'm not familiar with investing, Everybody talking investing, like, oh, you know, I'm tired of being broke. Like, maybe I need to look into this. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know. But speaking on investing, I wanted to talk about this whole credit versus cash thing. Why is why is credit mm-hmm. so important? Can you hear me? I say,
1: yeah, yeah, I can hear you. I, I think credit is important because it gives you the opportunity to access capital that you mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to access otherwise. Like. <laughs> Most people aren't able to save up thirty, forty bands and try to buy like a property off the auction just mm-hmm. outright by themselves or something like that, and they still have to do some fixing up on it or something like that. Right. Like credit, credit gives you more options, but at the same time, like it's a dangerous game. Like mm. to me, I'm I'm really kind of anti-leverage. I I preach credit and I believe in having credit available, okay. but. I don't think that you should go into anything like if you don't have enough cash, like reserves to at least cover some a few months of your payments, just in case some shit went wrong or something. Mm-hmm. You probably shouldn't be out here trying to finance shit. You know what I mean? You like
0: that can take you the underwater the
1: because it allows you to become it, it, it'll take you it'll go it'll bring you over leverage real quick. Like uh, the story I just seen. I just saw this on the TL. You might have seen it too. Mm-hmm. A 20-year-old kid just killed himself. Yo, yeah, from uh, the, the stock
0: um, Robinhood. Robin
1: yeah. He was margin trading on Robinhood and the glitch in the app showed that he had negative uh, three quarters of a million yeah. dollars. Yeah, yeah 750. It, negative debt in his account. He just said, well, I guess I'm going to end it now. Like, that's, that's the risk of, of credit in my head. Like, Mm-hmm. you become over leveraged and you're putting yourself in a position to where when you you could have won but now you're losing mm. so i think credit like it's still valuable mm. you just got to know what you buying first like i would never go out and use my credit card to like buy some shit that's not going to make me money okay like my boy my boy chris said uh borrow money to make money don't borrow money at all
0: that's real. Like, if it's that's what EYL is always talking about, like, it's assets over liability. Like, don't take on no liabilities if you don't have an asset to pay for it. Like, you know, I'm very <laughs> people get on me this, about this a lot because, like, so I'm an avid reader. So, for the longest time, all throughout undergrad and even towards my late 20s, I was really big on like um, Chris Hogan and Dave Ramsey, right? Mm-hmm. And Susie Orman. And I had to get up under the get from up under the tutelage because I felt like they were just preaching all the wrong shit. So they was just, they're very anti debt which I get, mm-hmm. but they their mindset is like, I'ma pay just to say I'm debt free, oh no, man, nothing. I'm gonna pay all this off before I go buy an asset. And it's like that don't make no sense. I need to go buy this asset to go pay that debt off. That makes sense. Exactly. Instead of me spending 40, 50, dollars so these student loan companies, like, why not go buy a house or something to pay off my student loan debt and they can pay the mortgage? You know what I'm saying? That make the most sense, but I don't know. But no, you're right. Credit that's, is a tricky That's day. how I feel about Dave. Yeah. I always
1: say, listening to Dave will keep you a slave. Cause like, it's a <laughs> I like that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> it's a reason to be like, employers will offer Dave Ramsey's program to their employees. Yeah. Most jobs not going to do no shit like that Unless they feel like they can still keep you in control They're not going to teach you about money
0: And you know I had to realize like it's a different End game like if you're trying to build wealth First of all you can't save your way to wealth You know what I'm saying and his whole thing I think it's a different end goal he's not necessarily Trying to make people wealthy I think his audience is people That's middle class That's trying to like they just want a nest egg In retirement you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. Like It's that real conservative And you know I'm all cool with the the long game as far as the slow money, but it's like, that shit is like crawling, crawling, crawling. Like that ain't going nowhere. Like you right. You, you want to be a slave. Listen to Dave, but uh, I'm going to definitely use that. I'm going to give you your credit. <laughs> but um, so for, I want to get into saving versus investing. Um, a lot of people be like, oh, well, you know, I got a bank account. And I'm like, you know, that's not really giving you no return. They shit for you. I got a 401k, and it's like, you know, well, you know, you know, you can leverage your 401k. What do you? What's your take on like saving versus investing? I think both are important, but what's your take on it?
1: So, I've always believed that, like, as a person, like the first first priority should always be saving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I seen it in a very alarming statistic like a while ago, probably right before the pandemic, saying that like some like half of Americans don't have a thousand dollars saved. Oh, yeah. So like, Yo, these NBA
0: players just living check to check.
1: That's some crazy shit to me. Like, how you don't have $1,000 saved? It's a $1,000 funky ass dollars. Like, it don't mean... Like, $1,000 is not a lot of money at all. I just want anybody listening to this to think about that. You mean to tell me a motherfucker can't save $1,000? That's not nothing. But saving, to me, I think saving is, is like, is important up until the point whenever you just got money
0: sitting that's doing nothing. Dave, for yeah, and you- here we're going to take a quick break. This is for the Culture Podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at the underscore for the Culture. Again, that's at underscore the number four. T H E Culture with a K. And also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. And we are back. Had a little bit of technical difficulties, but we're back. Um, again, I'm here with David Ballard of uh, Black Wealth Renaissance, the movement, normalizing black wealth. Welcome, welcome back. Um, yeah, yeah, man. This is good, man. Uh, hey, you know, I had came across one of your tweets, man. And, uh, I think you had reposted, well, it was actually, it was Instagram. Um, I-, I-, I got it here. I wanted to talk about it. I just was like, man, that's so real. Um, You said here, you said building wealth is um, Actually, that's not where it started You said, we as black people need to Change our mindset about building wealth Tell people they'll get a 10% Return on an investment and they'll be like That's it? Tell the same people About this new credit card at 15% APR and they are all game This must change Building wealth is a crockpot, not a Microwave. When you always look for The quick flip instead of the consistent Returns, you will likely end up you will most likely end up losing more money in the end. Be patient, my brothers and sisters. Consistent, modest returns are where it's at. Bro, when I tell you, I was like, that's so real. Um, And then you was uh, talking about your, you said, need help establishing financial habits and investing in the long run, in the long game? Get a copy of our ebook, Manage Your Money Like the 1%. It's a step-by-step beginner's guide on how to change your relationship with money and start building wealth. So just even the resources that you guys offer, but let's talk a little bit about your tweet, man, because I think that's so real. Like we be so quick to like we want that we want it fast, like, oh college takes too long. Oh, you know, that, that, that money takes too long, you know. It takes too long to learn it. It's like I'm trying to get this quick buck. It is a crock pot, not a microwave. We live in a microwaveable society. Why, why like tell me a little bit about th- what you meant there, man. So
1: I I give you the, the full origin of it. I actually gotta live in a choke for this. I was oh. uh, I was having a conversation with my girlfriend uh-huh. and she was I was teaching her about investing. She's a little bit older than me, but she like she never really learned about this stuff either. Okay. And like I was showing her peer to peer lending. Because uh-huh. peer to peer lending is one of our favorite investment vehicles because I mean, I'm consistently getting like ten to fifteen percent returns off of like a twenty five dollar investment.
0: Oh yeah, oh, oh, like, well we're gonna come back to that, but you gotta put us on game on that yeah. one. But let's finish this story yeah. though.
1: Yeah. That shit, that shit easy. Like, but like, I was explaining it to her and I was like showing her the numbers and everything. And like, I, for of $700, I made like $70 so far. She's like, that's it. And I'm like, what you mean? That's it. Like, <laughs> the fuck, where, where the fuck else the you going to get this time. from? Like, right, 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 right. <laughs> like, but in my head, like she wasn't the person with the credit card, but I just know people like mm-hmm. how you mentioned earlier that car, like. That lack of understanding the APR and what that actually means is like you—you you don't even understand. You on the wrong side of the game. Mm-hmm. You willing to pay somebody more than you willing to get paid, mm-hmm. and
0: that's a problem, right? Because you don't even understand that APR is the same shit that you getting as the investor, right? Right, and like that fifteen percent APR on that credit card, like that's the high as APR that you giving out. You know what exactly. I'm saying? But that $70 return, that's a hell of a return, You know what I'm saying? $70 in, what it was, three or four months? That, oh, yeah. You don't get that shit nowhere else. Right, right,
1: right, right. I, but, like, so to me, when it comes to that whole, like, the idea of that, it's just because that that quick flip. Like, I'm looking at a check cashing place right now, quick cash. That's, that's how they, you know, I'm in the hood right now. The, in the hood side of Lafayette. Uh-huh. They got the quick cash place. We're used to that. That's yeah. what we're accustomed to quick cash money. Let me see it. Put it in my face. I need it. But that's not investors. That's not investing. That's not how that works. Right. I always like to give people the example of the bank. Mm -hmm. The bank always wins. The bank don't lose no money. I don't know who think the bank lose money, but they in this game to win it. Mm -hmm. The bank is going to get 10, 10, you go, the bank will give you a mortgage. They're going to charge you what? Like a good mortgage rate anywhere between what three to five percent i don't have a person to have yeah. a mortgage.
0: under four percent is or... really great hmm? under four percent is really great
1: yeah so so like you getting that and this bank is taking this little portion of money every month every month and they doing this over a 30-year period <laughs> the bank gonna win because they ain't doing no work but just collecting money collecting right. money consistently Mm -hmm. It's like if once we internalize that idea, I also tweeted something about dividends. Mm -hmm. I said a 50 cent dividend is more important to me than a 50 cent raise because that 50 cent dividend will help you change the way you're looking at money. Mm -hmm. You getting paid for ownership versus getting paid for your time.
0: Mm -hmm. That's a lesson. That's a bar.
1: We need need to understand that getting paid for ownership Mm -hmm. instead of getting paid for our time because our time is limited. We only have 24 hours in a day. Mm-hmm. Like uh if you if you tie your income strictly to what you can do, you never gonna like you gonna work till the day you die. Ain't that the quote? Yeah. Uh if you can't find a ways to make money while you sleep, you're gonna work until you die. Mm-hmm. So like whenever you hear investing and you thinking about trying to get these returns, everybody for some reason in their head, if it's not a hundred percent return on investment, is not a good investment. I I, I personally don't understand it. If I could get 30% out of that shit, I'm bragging about this for the rest of my life. Right. But it's just it's it just takes the time to reframe it. Like you really gotta think about the way that money is actually made. Yeah. Make it without having to go out and make it.
0: That's true. And we gotta not be greedy too. And we gotta understand you know, rates of return. You know what I'm saying? Because we just look at it on the face, oh 15%. 6% Six percent return—that don't sound like a lot, you know what I'm saying? But it's like if we really put it into perspective, it's like you're not getting that on your on your job. Like you, you barely get that, that as a, yeah, right? Like it's crazy. We so, ain't even touch on compound interest. Oh that's a whole another. That's a whole another thing, man. So, but tell me about this peer-to-peer lending, though.
1: Okay, all right. So peer-to-peer lending is a gem that my friend Jared found uh so peer-to-peer lending essentially what you're getting to do is you and other investors pool your funds together and a third party intermediary uh some service like the one we use is called prosper invest mm-hmm. they allow you to pool your funds with investors and they find people who need loans for different things they grade them out uh they get they assign them grades like from aid to high risk based on their credit they give you all their information like their uh their credit history and all this type of stuff, like how much they're going to pay a month, what their job is, mm-hmm. uh, number of delinquencies, all that. They give you basically all their financial information. And what you're doing is choosing whether you want to invest a, into a piece of that loan. Mm. So similar to how people buy shares of a company, you buy shares of a loan. You can okay. think of it like that. So you putting on Prosper, the minimum is $25. So you putting $25 into a loan, that someone's going to be paying back on for the next three to four years. And you're going to get paid back over the course of that time versus just, you know, getting all your money back at once.
0: Oh, wow. And you said the minimum is twenty. you can put in $25 on the loan? As little as $25 to start yeah. off on prosper.
1: You need to fund your account with at least a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way you invest is called notes. So it's like a mortgage yeah. note. Um, you buying in 25% on the 25%. $25 into the, the total loan. And some people like, the people come there for all kinds of things. Me personally, I, uh, I like to look at people who are, you know, using the money for something like debt consolidation mm. or something that's going to actionably improve their personal finance. Not like some people come in they want loans for like boats and shit. I'm not about to help you get a boat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's real. So, what happens if the person that borrowed the money, what if they default?
1: So if they default, that's the risk of peer-to-peer lending. If they default and they don't, like, get current with their payments, you just forfeited your principal.
0: Okay. Okay. That, that's, yeah, that's the risk. But uh-huh. No, yes. but I do know note buying is where it's at. I was looking at some real estate notes. So that's that's. – I'm not hip to the peer-to-peer lending, though. We're going we gonna to have to wrap about that offline. You got to put me on to that.
1: Hey, for sure. for sure. You can, you have to put me on game with some of this stuff too because I know you out there in uh-huh. Ohio, you doing this real estate game.
0: Yeah, man. Nita and, and uh, uh-huh. you know and what? All. It's a funny story, man. Nita just got mad at me. Uh, uh-huh. you know what? I'm not perfect. I, looking back at it, it probably was. It probably was. Uh, I'll say I could be a woman and a grown woman about it. I probably had a corny moment, I will say. Um, so look, this is what happened. So, you know, J. Cole's track came out yesterday, right? Uh-huh. The uh Snow on the Bluff, right? And uh cousin Nita early in the morning, I'm up early, she up early, she hit, hit Twitter and she just was trashing J. Cole. She was just like, it's not that we don't like, it's not that people don't it's not that people say J. Cole is trash. Is that his music is trash? He had like the trash can emojis. So I'm like, you know, I try because usually I just go in for the kill, but I respect Nita, so I ain't wanna go in like, oh, you know, you are some you are some crap. So I'm like, um, so I tweet her back. I'm like, hmm, trash, that's that's deep. Why do you feel that way? Um, I was like, Sheesh, that's deep, why do you feel that way? And she had, you know, told me why she felt that way. And then she was like, you know, um, people be acting like he be saying some serious Serious stuff, some deep stuff. When it's really simple, and she was like, "He just know how my thing is." Like he make music for smart people. So I got tight. So I'm like, uh, so you know, I I'm, I got way more audience on Facebook, and I talk about all this controversial. I talk about hip hop a lot on Facebook. So I didn't even know cousin Nita was on Facebook. So I had screenshot, I had finished my conversation up with her on Twitter. So I had screenshot the uh, the tweets. But not to come at her directly. I just was using it. I did use it as an example. So I screenshotted the tweets and I brought it over to Facebook to have a conversation on Facebook because that's where I talk hip hop and stuff. So I don't know how she got. I didn't even know she was on Facebook. So she come on my Facebook and she tight. She was like, oh, there's some corny shit. Um, you ain't even give me an opportunity to, to defend myself over here. And I was like, bruh, I ain't even know if you was on Facebook. But I'm not, not attacking you personally. So yeah, man. So I had... I had, she then she took my, my she screenshotted what I said on Facebook and she brought it on her Twitter and she put the screenshots on her Twitter. Oh my God. And then, yeah. And then I'm like, uh, you know, bruh, I wasn't trying to attack you. We could have, we could talk about this though. I love to have this conversation because I was like, you come from an interesting perspective. A lot of people, that's a lot of people's criticism about J. Cole. They feel as though he's boring. You know, I'm not trying to be preached to. You know, I'm not off of that conscious shit. But I feel like when a person says, Oh, that's smart people music. First of all, it's a slight against yourself. You know what I'm saying? That's like saying, like, oh, you sound white. Like, you know how how silly that is? And it's like, I would love to have this yeah. conversation yeah. with her. But it's like, then she blocked me. So I'm like, damn, bro. I mean... You, okay, looking back at it, maybe I should have like tried to look her up on Facebook. Like, hey, you want? I'm moving it over here. You want to come talk about it here? That's why I say it was probably corny of me. Not really, but it's like I was trying to see where she was coming from. But it's like, damn, I, I don't think it's, honestly, I don't think it's that deep. Why? Require to block, know, <laughs> bro? You know we ain't cancel culture though, man. Like when I tell you, motherfuckers, block you so quick, and I was like, damn, I wanted to do some business with her.
1: <laughs> I hate cancel culture. Cancel culture is retarded to me, but I, I can't say that word. Sorry.
0: <laughs> I, I feel you though. I know what you mean, but you know, people was trying to cancel J. Cole yesterday. I it was like, wait a minute. Let's not wash away all the stuff he did off some disagreement. You know what my, I'm saying?
1: My whole thing is like, they like, I was reading it and I was seeing all the like, things people were saying. It's like, yo, this man didn't say nothing disrespectful about nobody, <laughs> but somehow, some way it got like, misconstrued and consorted is like, J. Cole hates women, and J. Cole don't care about the movie. I, I don't understand how it, it got adulterated into what it did. Uh-oh. It did it hey, again? We good.
0: No, we, good, we good. It was just a little freeze there, but we back at it. Nah, but what was you saying about Cole?
1: I was just like, that shit was crazy to me. Like, yeah. even with the whole uh, whenever whenever the, the protests started popping off, like, mm-hmm. you got all these people like, where are J. Cole and Kendrick? Why, why why they ain't out there, like, fighting for the people? It's like, man, like, mm-hmm. they didn't tweet Black Lives Matter, so now y'all want to cancel them, <laughs> even though they whole right. music discography has been Black Lives Matter? Bro, I was like, about to
0: say that same shit, and it's like, they've been preaching about this shit for the past decade, and then you turn a deaf ear to it, talking about it's born. not all of a sudden, the same shit they've been rapping about for the past 10 years, Now you want them to come out and talk about it. Like, you got a whole discography and career to listen to the music. You ain't want to receive it when they was trying to give it to you. And, like, what's the name Dave Chappelle just said? Right. And what Dave Chappelle just said, it was like, bro, you looking for these celebrities to come in and say something. It's like, it's it's bigger than the celebrities. The movement is the people. It's like, I ain't got to say shit. And I agree with them. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't need LeBron James or we don't need Jay-Z or... Dave Chappelle or J. Cole or Kendrick to come on and say, "Hey, you're right. I'm here with the people. We know y'all here. Y'all been saying this shit forever." Like, yeah. So I don't know, man. But I was, I was real tight at that. I, I just take it. I gotta, I gotta check myself sometimes because I get personal. I realize that music is subjective. Everybody not gonna like the same thing. But when you say shit like, "This artist makes music for smart people," what does that even mean? Let's, let's dissect that. Like, but. She blocked me, so I wasn't able to dissect it. <laughs> but uh, shout out to cousin Nita, house hunter two one six. But uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, man, I don't know, man. It's all love this way, though. You know, I apologize if I offended her, man. I wish she gave me an opportunity to talk about it, but we're hey, moving on. It's all hey. hey. I'm telling this to my friends. This is gonna be funny. That's a funny story. But, hey, you know what? It, it, hey, it'd be like that. You know, everybody not gonna like you. I guess we had that was our we had an online disagreement. I guess you know. Hey,
1: and that's part of the movement, though. We, mm-hmm. we, we not always gonna agree. That's but real. At least whenever we do disagree, I don't think the the action is to block you. The action is to have the conversation.
0: Yeah, we gotta effectively communicate with one another. If she felt like you know I slighted her. Let's talk about it. You know what I'm saying? That's all love this way. I ain't trying to throw no hands with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not that deep. We talking about hip hop. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but uh, I'd love to get some money with her. But if not, I'm still going to make money. But getting back to what you was talking about. Yes, I'm in the Cleveland market. Um, I actually live here in D.C. So I'm from Cleveland. But I host uh, in the DMV in PG County and uh, Baltimore. And my buying hose is in Cleveland. But yeah, man, in terms of... In terms of um it's not really good for appreciation, but in terms of cash flow, yo, Cleveland is it, man. Cleveland is it. Like I mean, talking about property selling for at the auction, three thousand, five thousand, ten thousand, thirty thousand dollars, you really getting some slot solid. You know what I'm saying? So and we talking about, you know, Section 8 30 tenants.
1: Bands?
0: What type of cash flow are we talking? Huh? bros? What type of I'm, cash flow are you talking about? Like, you get nine fifty you get you get 1000 for a 3 bedroom. It's crazy. That's what I'm saying like um my homeboy actually you should follow black uh real estate dialogue. Um Yeah, yeah, yeah. He invest in Dayton. Ohio you all together I feel like it's it's a cash cow in terms of cash flow, man, for sure. sure. So definitely if ever you want to come to Cleveland, yo, I give you a tour, I will show you what neighborhoods, what zip codes, you get money Everywhere, Cleveland proper, suburbs, all that.
1: I'm gonna have to take you up on that offer because I'm trying to be. As soon as the world open back up, I'm trying to go on a tour. I'm trying to be all yeah. over the country.
0: No, I feel you. I feel you. But um, yeah, man, we we definitely got to get off in, into that. But uh, real estate is where it's at. That's my primary. I just got off into the option trading. Shout out to Todd Billionaire. Um, but uh, what's your thoughts on forex?
1: All right, so. Forex was actually one of the first things that I got into whenever I was in my financial Mm -hmm. journey. I say in that period of time between, uh, graduating college and reading rich dad, poor dad, Forex was something that I did Mm -hmm. and I don't have any beef with the, the Forex itself, the Forex market. Mm -hmm. I think Forex is an actual profitable venue Mm -hmm. that you can make work for you, but I do not think you should go into it without a significant amount of capital. Just mm-hmm. because the way the market can turn against you and it's, it's so much more volatile than the stock market. Mm-hmm. But I don't have beef with Forex. I think okay. Forex is good. I don't like a lot of the companies that have <laughs> branded themselves on Forex. Oh, you don't like the Forex
0: bots? <laughs> no, nah, not the bots. I, like okay.
1: the, uh, I don't like a lot of the multi-level marketing companies that are built yeah. around Forex. Because... Oh, yeah. They they come in and they teach, they they prey on a lot of young young black college students is what I've noticed. Um, they come in, they prey on you, and they talk about you creating this passive income, this stream mm-hmm. of passive income, and learning how to make money from your phone um, mm-hmm. through forex. But then once you actually become involved with these people, you're not actually making money through forex. Mm-hmm. What they're encouraging you to do is sign get more people, people, people to mm-hmm. sign up, and it's that pyramid. That pyramid shit never does sit right with me because mm-hmm. like I'm sitting here and I'm looking at it like I joined it. I was paying like a hundred, a hundred and fifty dollars a month.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm
1: like, okay, they're supposed to teach me how to trade. So I'm in this bitch, like, hey, let's go. I'm about to trade, about yeah, to learn yeah. this. I'm I'm on the calls, waking mm-hmm. up two o'clock in the morning, hopping on the calls and all that. So it's like I'm learning and whatnot. But they keep saying, Hey man, you might not make no money your first three months doing this. Just focus. <laughs> on getting two more people, focus (laughs) on getting them two people, and then you ain't got to worry about that. You can just learn how to trade. I'm like, so you mean to tell me, in order for me to to feel good about not making no money doing this shit, I got to recruit some other people. people. (laughs) That's dead. And then if I find a third person, y'all going to start paying me $35 a month. Well, let me do the math on this. I got you three people paying you $150 a month. That's $450. I get 35 right. Oh, hell no. I'm going to go make my own money. Man, but that's facts. I'll say you know, all that to say. Uh-huh, go ahead. I'll I say all that to say. I don't have no beef with Forex. Yeah. I don't like them companies.
0: No, nah, yeah, I feel you. And you know what? It's always some new multi layer uh, network marketing company. Like, I fell prey to sure it in college. They got me with the ACN, they got me with the World Ventures. Like, it's always something new. And it's like, you know, if you do this and bring in recruit this many people, you can make this, but it's like that's it's, we you're right, you're right. They do prey on young college students, and we be so hungry to you know that first look, you know, put our get our feet wet in entrepreneurship. We like this looks realistic, let me try it. But uh yeah, shout out shout out to shout out to that to that man. Um so what else? So I wanted. Speaking of college, um, you know, we grew up because you older. You you 20, 25. 24? 25. 20, are you a baby man? You are doing a damn thing? I just want to tell you again, like that's super dope, man. Super dope. You. I, I super feel like dope. I ain't
1: done shit yet.
0: <laughs> yeah, you you mm-hmm. on your way, brother. Um, you definitely got the you laid the foundation well. You definitely ahead of the head of the game, much farther than what I was at 25 because I'm still trying to like, oh, I want to go work for this job. I want to go do that. You know what I'm saying? So, but anyway, um, I wanted to talk about college real quick. You know, we grew up, our parents told us to, you know, you want to make more money, go to school, get a good job. You know, our grandparents worked the same job 30, 40 years, retired, got a pension. Now, you know, grandma got a Cadillac and a house. You know what I'm saying? And that was the American dream. Fast forward to 2020 and the millennials. Do you think that what us living in the information age and the social media age, everything being so direct to consumer and so e- not easy, but more accessible. Do you think that college is less of a necessity? Do you think it's more antiquated at this point?
1: I do think college is less of a necessity because mm-hmm. like to me at this point, I think college for me personally, all college did for me was show me two things. Yeah. Uh, it, it helped me expo- expand my network I got to meet some people that I probably never would have met uh, Like my best friends in life If I'd have just stayed out here mm-hmm. And like it showed me that I can really learn anything If I put my mind to it mm-hmm. But in terms of like it being necessary I don't think 20 years from now Kids are going to be going to college Oh shit, five years from now I don't think kids are going to be going to college The way we were pushed to go to college
0: mm-hmm. Because
1: whenever we were pushed to go to college it's like our parents didn't see the the difference in what just happened. Like, mm. whenever you were coming up, maybe your classmates went to college and they ended up being a lot better financially well off than you because it presented them more opportunities. But now it's not necessarily that way. Like, it, whenever it's changed over to this information age, it's the person who, who knows actually. Like, it doesn't matter what that piece of paper say. Right. What do you actually know? Right. Like, Google just said, they're, they're removing the uh, requirement to hire people with college degrees. Like they say, it's pointless. Mm-hmm. They're missing out on a large pool of talent because at this point, college is just a piece of paper to, to some of these companies. Mm-hmm. You go in here for four years. You're learning all this unspecialized information. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you learn all this general shit along with your, your specifics. Mm-hmm. And then like, what, what, do, what does it really show for? I, so I don't think it's going to be that necessary.
0: Nah, I agree. And like, I I agree with you in terms of, you know, I don't, I personally don't regret going to college, you know, thank God I I was able to, you know, go for free um, with my scholarship, but I just felt like it wasn't, I don't regret it because, not because of the, the piece of paper that I obtained or what I think I've learned, it was because of what it taught me it just opened my mind to what was possible. You know what I'm saying? Just, I feel like the college experience was important, but I don't necessarily think the piece of paper was that important. You know, like shit for two years, you're taking an elective. You know, you really don't get into your major for like two years. if, if honestly, I feel like I feel like kids going the Juco route for the first two years is probably, if you're paying for college at least, that's probably the smartest thing. And then you know, just getting into your cause you don't get into your major. Right, right, right. It's just overly expensive and then you got to weigh the the cost like does the does the cost that does the means benefit the 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 Mm -hmm. justify the end you know what i'm saying and everybody why why go get seventy
1: thousand dollars in debt for a job that's gonna pay you like 30.
0: (laughs) right and they want you to have three years experience for that thirty thousand dollar a year job It's crazy. What's wrong with these people? <laughs> hey, but that's what the rat race is, man. It's just like the sheep following the herd. You know what I'm saying? They're leading us into a burning building. It's like it's not meant for us to get free. It's meant for us to play the game to make sure they stay stay wealthy.
1: So yeah, that's but, true. Because uh, if that was the case, minimum wage still wouldn't be seven twenty
0: five. Bruh, it's crazy. It's crazy. But all right, man, this was great, man. I ain't going to take, I know I've been on here for a while with you. I appreciate it. This was super dope, man. But yeah, definitely let's talk that real estate stuff, man, because I love for people to come into the market and I love for people to get involved. Cleveland is like, I don't live there. Uh, I wouldn't live there, but it's like a cash cow to make money in. You know what I'm saying? But uh, for sure, we'll talk offline about that. But uh, you got any last any last minute words? Where can people find you? you want to where can they find you on social? You got anything you want to plug
1: in? Uh, sure. Well, first, like once again, thank you for inviting me on the show, Tay. This has been yeah. a great time. It's been fun. Uh, for anybody that would want to follow me on social media, my name on Instagram and Twitter is David the Goliath. Uh, it's spelled different on both. On Instagram is T H E, and on Insta- on Twitter is David D A. Goliath, you can find me. David Bellard, if you type the name, you'll see a picture of me. I'm smiling and whatnot. (laughs) But uh, Other than that, really, y'all make sure y'all follow everything else I got going on. Like, we got our book with Blackwell Renaissance, uh, Manage Your Money Like the 1%. Mm Yeah, that's been going great. We've been going crazy. We've been trying to help as many people as possible just on their financial journeys, helping them get started. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, make sure you follow Blackwell Renaissance. And sure. BWR Podcast And listen to the Black Wolf Renaissance Podcast We recently just got rated uh, We cracked the top 50
0: Hey in the Apple, uh, Congrats uh, on that brother
1: Thank you, thank you yeah. Trying to get back up there Trying to I'm trying to get up there with, with EYL and Rashad <laughs> and to get the top 10
0: Right, right, but, right, you on your way though You on your way Hey, for the cross, you're trying to get up there too, shit <laughs>
1: Hey, let's go we, we just gotta keep working and eating, that's how I
0: go Right, 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 we got sure. it
1: but yeah, yeah, I
0: mean man. that's really yeah, it. I'm, I'm bad at plugging myself. Like I don't, I don't really know what else to say. <laughs> oh man, you good? You know, hey, just follow Black Wealth Renaissance, man. It's life changing. All the content that they produce, I just feel like, man, it's like it's 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 nutritional. It's stuff we need. You know what I'm saying? So we get all the fattening stuff to, on social media, especially like we get all the, you know, the comparisons and the entertainment stuff. Like give you give feed yourself something important you know what i'm saying so mm. definitely follow black wealth renaissance but all right david man i'm gonna let you go this is uh this has been episode this is episode seven episode ev- no this is episode eight episode eight of for the culture podcast i'm your girl the one and only tate jordan and uh make sure you follow us on instagram at underscore the number four the culture with a k again that's at underscore for the culture with a K. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter. That's one underscore Tay Jordan. That's one underscore Tay Jordan. That's Tay with a Y. And uh, Godspeed.